family. All right, again. Good morning. All right, that's better. How are y'all doing? Don't you just love this weather? I tell you. It is a joy to get out there and work in the yard and the flowers and taking care of the needs. But just get out and do some exercise and just enjoy what God gives to us. Can't get any better than that, can you? This morning, I am blessed to be able to be here, to be here with my family. For that's where I get rejuvenized. This is where I get recharged to be able to connect, to be able to talk, to be able to hug, to touch, and to be able to share. This morning, we will continue with the series of Forever Encounters by Sergio, and I look forward to what he provides with us today. Next week, there will be a baptism, the 22nd, and Nathan Bites, a young man that you may be familiar with, with Pathfinders, kind of part of our family. He'll be baptized next week. We have had quite a journey together. But next week just isn't for the baptism. Next week is somebody's birthday. I'm not going to name who, but he's not even sitting here. I can't even talk about him. But again, Sergio's going to have a birthday next week, and we'll all be looking forward to celebrate that as well. Men's breakfast is starting on June 6th, gentlemen, that we get back into having fellowship and breakfast. And I want you gentlemen to put on the calendar June 6th, 9 to 10.30. For that to me has always been something that I looked forward to. And I believe that we were blessed by coming together to be able to sing and to pray and to seek God's direction. So this morning as you are here, please bask in the arms of Christ. For I know that he desires each one of us to be joyful and happy and that we can lift him up in praise as we sing our songs and worship him today through the word and music. So enjoy. So another happy Sabbath to everybody. We're going to start our worship service today with a new song. And so I wanted to go over it with you. I'm going to sing the first verse and chorus just to get you a little introduced to it and then I'm going to ask you to join again singing that first verse and chorus and then we'll go into the song. So this first song we're going to be singing is Graves to Garden.
we're going to go back. We're going to try that again together this time. So if you all want to stand up and join us this time. And again, we'll be doing just the first verse of the chorus and then going into the song. So. I searched the world. Glory, you're the only 
worship? Amen. I'm always amazed how God blesses us with some, uh, some people to lead us in worship, some beautiful voices, great musicians. Appreciate that. Amen? So I don't know how many of you are horse enthusiasts, but if you, you, if you are, you may recognize the name Buck Brannaman. Anybody know who Buck Brannaman is? Okay, good. No horse enthusiasts here. <laughs> he is actually one of the most respected cowboys in the country. And maybe as I talk, to him, talk about him a little bit, you may be like, oh yeah, I think I watched the movie or I saw the documentary. He is known as the real-life horse whisperer. How many of you have seen the movie with Robert Redford, The Horse Whisperer? Yeah, and, and, and actually, uh, Buck Brannan, Brannman was actually there on the set uh, to help him uh, act out his part in the right way. He is someone who seemingly has a telepathic connection with horses. He will tell you that his ability to communicate and elicit cooperation and respect from these horses is born out of empathy. And it's not magic, he says, as many people think it would be. Like, man, the guy's, guy's magical. In fact, I've read some articles that make it sound like he's magical or something. You know, he says, no, no, it's empathy. He says he understands their plight from the wild to the taming. And he says that this empathy comes from living his childhood terrified of his father. In an article I was reading, he writes these words. These are exactly his words. He says, the last couple of years after my mom passed away, I got to where it was me and my brother at 11 and 12 years old. And we were being tortured every day. He says, we talked about dying every day. Can you imagine that? An 11, a 12-year-old thinking about committing suicide. Well, eventually the authorities discovered the abuse and they were taken to a very loving foster family that helped them to work with horses. And he credits the horses that he had worked with as saving his life. The horse whisperer. Not sure what's going on, but music is coming. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, whenever I hear that, I think maybe the Lord's coming. This is it. <laughs> Preach as if it's your last sermon, Serge. <laughs> I want to talk to you about the human whisperer. Can I do that? We've, we've heard about the horse whisperer. Some of us have even heard about the dog whisperers, you know. These people that can somehow communicate with animals in a way that others can't. But I want to talk to you about God, the God who understands our plight, our plight, from the wild to our taming, the God who is a horse whisperer. I love what uh, the author of Hebrews says, for we do not have a God who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has journeyed in every way just as we have. He is the human whisperer because he understands our plight. We 
as we continue our, our series on the forever encounters, I want to share with you, I want to talk to you about one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And maybe he is yours too, I don't know. His name is Elijah. How many of you have recently read about Elijah? Anybody? Some of you have? Good, awesome. Uh, if you haven't, I, I'm, I'm hoping that this will encourage you to go to 1 Kings and read about his life. It is pretty amazing. And I could not help but just totally connect with it in his past uh, few weeks as I was preparing for this sermon. We read his story through the ancient writings of 1 Kings. And as he bursts onto the scene, we see him as a fearless, bold reformer. There's something about Elijah that, that just says courage. He's a rebuker of misguided kings. He's a mighty intercessor, a prayer warrior with faith and intensity. He's loved by God and has obviously divine favor. He turns to be a great mentor and a great friend. And as a performer of miracles, he's able to, to raise, we are told, the widow's son from life, from death unto life. This man was definitely favored by God. As a somewhat salty, if I can use that word, I was trying to find the right word, but if you read the story, I think salty is a good word. As a somewhat salty champion defying the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, seemingly wild and untamed by the bewitching Jezebel of the times. And after three and a half years of drought, he prays for rain, the Bible tells us, and a small black cloud that was hardly perceivable. People couldn't hardly see it. The king had to go back seven times. Small black cloud turns into a torrential downpour. I mean, it's an amazing story of victory, of, of faith. And so what happens next, I'll be honest with you, was somewhat shocking and unsettling against the backdrop of the triumphs of this champion of God. Because what happens next in this story, this is what we're going to be concentrating on the, more, the, more, the most, is that the Bible tells us that this champion suddenly is afraid. And this champion begins to run. He's intimidated. He's threatened. This champion. Can God's champions experience this? Look with me on 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. It should be on the screen for you here. It says, when Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me so, and strike me and even kill me, he says, she says, be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that, like that of one of them. And then the Bible says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, 
sat down under it and prayed that he might die. He says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So we see this champion of God not only run and be afraid, but he gets to a point of discouragement, to the point of, of, of fear, to the point of, of despair, that he wants to take his life. He wants to die. Have you ever experienced a time, don't raise your hand, when you wanted to die? There's only one time in my life, and it had nothing to do with depression. It had to do with severe pain. I was having a kidney stone. <laughs> See, if you're laughing, you've had a kidney stone. You know exactly what I'm talking about. My wife is driving me to the hospital, and I say to Nancy, honey, just kill me. Just, just, just kill me right now, right here. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> She's like, okay, Serge. <laughs> We're almost there. But I cannot imagine having the type of despair, the type of, of depression and discouragement. I know I've spoken to some that have had this, where they just want to die. What happened? How could such a courageous man of faith be so intimidated by Jezebel's threats? Perhaps he was running for his life because he was running on empty. Perhaps he's resting under a broom tree because he is swept away by discouragement. I believe that even the most faithful can be intimidated, especially if you're running on empty. We can get so absorbed by doing the Lord's work that we neglect to fuel up. I know because I've experienced it. Not to the point where I wanted to kill myself, but to the point of pretty intense discouragement. And if I can, if you would allow me, I want to get vulnerable with you for a moment. You know, God has gifted me with an uncanny positive temperament. Sometimes it drives Nancy crazy. I'm usually the kind of guy that says, ah, things will work out. Ah, God's always blessed us. He'll continue to bless us, you know. Uh, we are like, we're like a beautiful scale that balance each other, you know. She's much more realistic, and I'm much more like, yeah, we got this, you know. And I, I'm, just, I'm just blessed that way, and I'm thankful for that. But I want to tell you that there's been times this past year when I have broken down and I've cried. I've had my own little pity party and I've been physically and emotionally exhausted. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? My back hurts, God. I've never had my back hurt this much, God. What's going on? I've dealt with knee pain for a long time, God. Now why my back? God, church members are mad at me because I don't know what to do. I've never been, I've never pastored a church through a pandemic.
I am loving some of these rings because they're, they're kind of perfect for this sermon. <laughs> I know Pastor Fred would totally agree with me uh, when uh, I, I talk about preaching to an empty church. You have no idea how discouraging it is for months to have been up here to look at a little round thing. Sorry, people that are watching online. Nobody in here. Nancy knows this too. And it was so hard to get used to it, wasn't it? Just, just to preach to an empty church and to try to, to act like there's people in here. If you know me, you know that authenticity is like an important thing to me. I, and I felt like I'm faking it here. This is not, there's something wrong here. This is not right. I need God. What's going on? And, and I remember that I can't concentrate. I've experienced discouragement on levels I never knew. I felt alone. Nancy will tell you there were times when I would just break down and cry at home because, because of pain, emotional pain, physical pain. I cried like a prophet under a broom tree. And one of the things I realized is that as I was trying to keep up with it all, <coughs> I was running on empty. And I wasn't fueling up like I should have been. And then I heard God one day say to me, what are you doing here, Sergio? What are you doing here, Sergio? What are you doing here, Sergio? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. In fact, some of you have experienced deeper and longer droughts than I could ever imagine. And please know that this church loves you. I love you. And we're in this together. Some of you are still going through that. I get it. Some of us have sat under that broom tree for quite some time alone, and I've got some hope for you this morning. There is an angel just waiting to touch you. God's mom says amen. Thank you, mom. Let me say that again. There is an angel waiting to touch you. Amen. All right. We've got to get back to the feeling of being in person again. Be good if the people online can hear you. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It goes like this. We may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. Do you believe that? The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. And some of you, and you know who you are, you have been God incognito for Nancy and I this past year. You have no idea how much you have blessed us, cheering us on, whispering prayers for us, gifting us, encouraging us, being extra faithful at your, post, at your post for this church. You have no idea what that means to us. Some of you guys have worked so hard, just as hard as me, if not harder, to do what God has called you to do 
and I so much appreciate it because none of us have ever ministered through a pandemic before. In fact, I've learned from some of you. I've, I've been encouraged by you. And I want to thank you right now for that. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 27. He says, I, I, this is so beautiful, I would have despaired. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Are you catching that? I would have despaired. I would have lost hope. I would have wallowed in misery. I would have given up unless I saw God incognito and I believed unless I positioned myself to hear his whispering voice. I love that. I think the psalmist understood what we're talking about here. In some of those early mornings through the beginning of all this mess, I remember locking myself in my office and just reading the Psalms. Because I knew David understood. So here's what I've learned from that Elijah experience. It is when you are making the greatest difference for God that the darkness of this world tries to threaten, bully, and demoralize you. But God will send his angel and touch you just when you need it most. First Kings chapter 19, 5 through 13. Believe it or not, we're almost done. That should make you happy if you're depressed. This is not a long sermon. It's a simple sermon. Hoping that it would be encouraging to you. Here's what happens next. First, uh, First Kings 19, 5 through 13. Then he laid under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Where did that come from? He ate and drank and then lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mount of God. And there he went into a cave. Wasn't fully healed yet. He went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. And the Israelites have rejected your covenant, 
torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And then he says this, I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. When the Lord says that to you, you do exactly that. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. And I could just imagine Elijah looking around. This must be it. But the Bible tells us that the Lord was not in the wind. Usually the Lord is in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. This surely must be it. But the Bible says the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. Oh yes, the Holy Spirit fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. I think God was trying to say, you know, you've been living a sensational life all this time and you keep looking for me in the sensational but I want you to know that God isn't always in the sensational. And sometimes we need to quiet the voices around us so we can hear him in the whisper. And part of the problem that I was having is I was just, just allowing myself to be, to be inundated with all this noise around me. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And it doesn't say and the Lord was in, in the whisper. It just says when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood on the mount of the cave. Did you catch that? In other words, this is obvious that it's God. It was, it was so apparent that in this gentle whisper, He puts his clothes, oh, it's God. And then he hears the voice say to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? This was not a reprimand. This is God saying to Elijah, I know you're discouraged, and I know you're afraid, and I know you're demoralized, but guess what? I still need you. You matter. You matter. You matter. We matter to God. And sometimes we concentrate so much on just that which is in front of us that we cannot see past this terrible horizon. I've learned that if I can't hear God's gentle whisper, maybe the world is too loud. Maybe the noise of the hustle and bustle of this world has gotten to me. Maybe the clatter of the TV and the media has gotten to me. Maybe the ancient voices of distorted babbling that, that keep bringing insecurities, voices from the past, are too loud. Or maybe the siren song alluring us to distraction and temptation 
All of these things get in the way from us hearing the whisper of God. I don't know what it is for you, but I want you to just put your name in there. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? The Lord needs you. And when we turn off the soundtrack in our mind, I believe you'll be able to hear God whisper, don't you? And that whisper will change our lives. That whisper will do amazing things. And this man, this champion who wanted to, to kill himself, goes from there to establishing the school of the prophets, uh, mentoring Elisha, and, and then, <laughs> this is unbelievable, uh, God just partners with him in ways uh, that, that just are, are just he, just, he takes him up into heaven. And Elijah, as we know, is one of the few that never tasted death. Isn't that wild? I mean, can somebody say amen to that? You want to talk about a forever encounter? There it is. A couple of days ago, I had the privilege of working with a young man in this church. We were talking about spiritual gifts and strengths in his life. A few weeks ago, he had come up to me and said, I, I need to do something, Serge. I feel like God is calling me to do something, and I'm all here. What can I do? And you have no idea what that does to me. You know, this is not like, yeah, I'll call you some other time later. Bye. This is like, all right, let's sit down to figure out this time and make this happen. This is Jess, Jesse Carter. Jesse, would you just, I, let me embarrass you. Can you just stand up for a second and just, just pull your, your mask down just for five seconds? That's Jesse, if you haven't. And this is what he says to me. He says, it's as if God is fishing and he's reeling me in. I want to be in the boat, he says. I want to be all in. How about you? Do you want to be all in? You want to be all in this morning? You want to be all in this evening? You want to be all in in the coming? You want to be all in in the going? You want to be all in in your weeping? You want to be all in in the rejoicing? Because God is for you. God is on your side. Just get quiet enough to listen to his whisper. Stand and sing this wonderful song with the saints.
I took Sergio to the hospital with a kidney stone, <laughs> and he was saying, if this doesn't kill me, will you? <laughs> you know. Well, we went through that whole procedure. They gave him medication. We went through everything. We went home, and my husband went to bed. He was so exhausted. And I get this phone call. Hello, this is Florida Conference. Where's your husband? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, we're having the family retreat. We're waiting for him. And I was like, no, that's next weekend. They're like, no, it's this weekend. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll get him. We'll get there. <laughs> so I wake Sergio up and like, he's like had this, all this medicine. And he goes, oh, I had a terrible dream. There was mice climbing all over me. And I said, it's just the medicine. Don't worry. But guess what? You're supposed to be in Florida right now. And I said, you have to get up. And Spencer drove him for two and a half hours to Baltimore. And then he flew and he arrived just in time to do the morning service. After he had been through the hospital and done all that that night. So I was just praying and Brianna and I laid in bed together. <laughs> and all of a sudden the dog jumped on the bed and started barking and carrying on. And I said, what's going on? And we turned on the lights and we picked up Sergio's pillow and there was a mole which is a t like a tiny little mousy thing and it was running all over the bed <laughs> and then it hit me he actually had mice climbing all over him and then I said should I call him before or after the sermon <laughs> we never know what to expect this is the man I married. He got up after having a kidney stone and flew to Florida and did a family meeting because we don't know any minute, any day, and we're human. God have mercy on us because we make mistakes. We don't know. We don't know when we wake up today who's going to have an emergency and we're going to have to get up and go and do. But what I do know is God has always been there. And he catches us and he helps us and he makes us get to the airport and the crazy things, it's beyond human. Touched by angels, 
touched all over by mice. Whatever we are given, he is there. And this has cost us everything, and we have gained everything. Serve Christ. Let us pray. Father, we come because we want to worship and serve you with all that we have. We come and here we are. We don't have a lot to offer, but we say use us, teach us, show us. We want to see angels. We want to hear you whisper. Please make it loud and clear because we're so thick. And God, bless our church. Let us come back and find each other again. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.